I'm going to read from 17 to 19. Acts chapter 2 from verse 17 to 19. I'm afraid I will not wait for you as we're going to be racing against time. Acts chapter 2 from verse 17 to 19. We're not going to wait for multimedia either. Hallelujah. And this is the word of the Lord. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord. That I, which is the Lord speaking, will pour out my what? Spirit. My what? The Spirit is in capital or small letter. Which represents what? The Holy Spirit. So in other words, we can rephrase that word and say, And the Lord says, For I shall pour out my what? Holy Spirit. On how many flesh? How many flesh? Do we have flesh in the house this morning? Now let's read on. It says in description of the flesh, it said on your what? Sons and daughters. Do we have sons in the house? Do we have male children born of a woman? And daughters and they shall what? Prophesy. And they said upon your young men and they will see visions. And on your old men and they shall dream. Verse 18. And on who else now? On your men servants. Do we have people serving other people here? Alright. And it says, and on your maid servants. And I will pour out my spirit in those days. And we all shall what? Prophesy. Hallelujah. In the words of the Lord, let's bow our heads as we pray. And so Lord in heaven, we we'll thank you for what you are about to do this morning. We ask that you shall do only what you alone can do in the name of Jesus. That the ears of our understanding shall be opened and our hearts shall be receptive to that in which you are about to say unto us. Thank you Holy Spirit for in Jesus name we have prayed. Let's have a louder amen. Alright, you may have your seats comfortably in the presence of the Lord. Now this morning we are not going to preach. We are only just going to divide the world of truth. For a couple of weeks we've been sending announcements and we'll be giving um, notices that we'll be discussing a very important subject that we have neglected over time in the period of time. And that is the person of the Holy Spirit. If multimedia can bring out a slide, we said at some point that the Holy Spirit is like a gift given to everyone. But the fact that the gift was given to you doesn't mean you are operating with that gift. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have opened that gift. So for some of us, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, but we have not even used it at all. And so for the next few, the next two weeks, we're just going to be looking at this gift and how we can unwrap that gift and walk in the, in the fullness of it. Hallelujah. And so this morning, we're going to be dealing with the unwrapped gift, the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit revealed. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, for the purpose of this teaching, we're going to look at seven areas very quickly. The first, if you want to write this down, we're going to look at what is called the new birth. The new birth, that's the first thing we're going to look at. Then secondly, we're going to look at the difference between grace and law. That is grace versus law. I'm going to explain that because it is one thing for you to receive Christ and it's one thing for you to live in him. The devil has a very little tool that is powerful and that tool is called the tool of 
condemnation. And that is where the law comes in. And the third, we're going to look at the subject, part of the subject, which is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very important. And then we're going to look at what is called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You're going to see that there are two different things. It's one thing for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing as you swimming in water. But it's another thing for you to be filled with that Holy Spirit. It's the same thing as being in water and getting drowned in it. Praise the Lord. Then next we're going to look at what the Bible called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now if you look at what is called a fruit, it's not fruit as in many fruits. It is only one fruit which we are going to look at from next week. And then we're going to look at what is called the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody that has the Spirit of God is expected to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But not everybody necessarily will have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You get to know that very soon. And then we're going to know and going to see lastly how we walk in the Holy Spirit. But for today we're going to look at the first four the new birth. Then we're going to look at difference between grace and law. Then we're going to look in details the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then we're going to see the infill of the Holy Spirit. Now why is this important? The reality is that everybody at some point some people can sing. Do we have anyone that can sing that is not in the choir? You're seated there, but you can sing just somehow. Not Pastor Kola, any other person. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Kola was quick to raise his hands. Hallelujah. All right. Any other person apart from him, please. You can just sing, but you are not in the choir. Do you know that anybody that is not a member of the church, anybody can come on this altar and also sing whatever the choir is singing? Is that true? Anybody that's killed with singing can do it. Do you know also, if anybody reads this Bible carefully, he can come and also teach. Some people just have the ability to teach. It's not true. What then is the difference between the choir and then any other person that sings the same song? Somebody can just come and sing. Sometimes I really pity the choir when they come and they start singing and the people are not in tune with what they are singing. They try to let you raise hands. They say, raise up holy hands. And they start to tell you what to do. The reason why they are struggling is either because the people they are singing to do not have the same spirit as they have. Or we have the spirit and they don't. Hallelujah. It's two ways, right? So it's not about, amen. So it's not about the song that you sing. It's not about what you read. It's about the spirit that drives whatever you're being done. Hallelujah. So, we want to make church easy for everyone. We don't want to see the choir coming to say, lift up holy hands. If the same spirit dwells in them, nobody will tell you to lift up hands. If the choir, the pastors are preaching, nobody will tell you to say amen. Because the same spirit will drive everyone. Someone amongst us do not have the fullness of this spirit. And that is why we are here today. We don't want to start begging you, please, tomorrow is evangelism. Joe, please, oh Joe, please. No. When the spirit is there, the Bible says in the day of his power, the people themselves shall be what? Willing. Hallelujah. So we're going to go through this series and at the end of the day, the aim is to have a better church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, now, let me make it easy. My purpose this morning is to make it very easy for everyone. You're going to love it and you're going to desire it. For a very long time, the church has seen the Holy Spirit as a matter of speaking in tongues. 
So when we see somebody come to speak in tongues, ah, that person has the Holy Spirit. And so a couple of us deny ourselves of the knowledge of God. I have come to understand that Christianity requires a lot of knowledge. Head knowledge of what the scripture says. That is why the Bible says, for the people perish for lack of what? Knowledge. It's not that you don't know book. It's not that you are not a PhD holder. But the word of the Lord requires a level of understanding so that you can receive it. Now, first and foremost, we said we're going to, our first subheading is what? The new birth. Now, let's take this from beginning. So we are going to assume every one of us don't know this history of the Holy Spirit. Let me shock you. Everyone in this place is had the promise of the Holy Spirit. God said, I will pour out that spirit upon how many flesh? How many flesh? I want you to confess with your mouth, I have the Holy Spirit of God. Now say it convictionally, I have the Holy Spirit of God. Don't be fooled. When you say the word Holy Spirit, a lot of us will distance ourselves. No, they are not talking to me. No, I'm not I'm not walking in God's precept. No, I'm a sinner. Never you be fooled. Once the enemy makes you understand that, then you cannot have the fullness. First and foremost, the new birth. Come with me to John chapter 3 verse 3. I'll show you something very interesting. In John chapter 3 from verse 3, Jesus started the whole history. He went to an old man, or the old man came to him. His name was Nicodemus. And the Bible says, and Nicodemus went to him, and he said to Jesus, What can I do that I may enter into the kingdom of God? Verse 3. And Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say unto you, Unless one is what? Born again. He cannot what? See the kingdom of God. Now, let's take it simple. How many of you have heard that word, born again? You've heard it over and again. The, the, the bigger born again people will always ask you, are you born again? Are you born again? So Jesus said, except a man be what? Born again. Now, let me just show you something carefully. Now, go to verse 5. Now, if you hear the word born again, what comes to our mind is when we have altar call. Is that not so? So we make an altar call. Somebody comes and said you have you are born again, which means you have given your life to what? To Christ. You have given your life to who? To Christ. Which life are you giving to Christ? Is it the, the life that we are tired of, we are giving to Christ? So we hear the word born again, and Jesus said, most assuredly, this is what born again means, unless a man is born of what? No, come with me. Unless a man is born of what? And what? Choose those two words. Water and what? Except a man be born of water and except a man be born of... Now, what is born again? It is not just giving your life to Christ. It's being born of how many things? Two things. The first is what? Water. The second is what? The spirit. The spirit, is it a small letter or a big letter? Which means it's born of what? So it means the day you came to this altar... Something bigger than you thought did happen. You thought you were born again because you came to say to the pastor, I'm giving my life to Christ. 
if you did it genuinely, what did happen is that something gave birth to you. It is called the Holy Spirit. He says that thing you call born again is not just mere words. What happens on this altar is that the Holy Spirit gave birth to you afresh. So if the Holy Spirit did give birth to you afresh, he said you must be born again. Now let's read verse 6. You will understand it better. Verse 6 then says that which is born of flesh is what? So were you born of flesh? And now he says, that which is born of spirit is what? So the day you gave your life to Christ, what happens is that the Holy Spirit gave birth to you afresh. That is what is called the new birth. So you are not a flesh anymore. You are not just an ordinary person. You become a what? A spirit being. That is why the scripture says, for you are now a new creature. All things are what? Have passed away. So if a goat gives birth to a goat, it becomes a what? A goat. If a spirit gives birth to a spirit, what do we become? A spirit. So the fact that you think you don't have a Holy Spirit is the first misjudgment that we've all had. Tell yourself, I have the Holy Spirit in me. So now you know who gave birth to you in the first place. If you cannot understand that you are a spirit being, it becomes relatively difficult to receive the person of the Holy Spirit. So first and foremost, understand that the new birth was not just saying, Lord, I am sorry. It was about the birthing of a new you, which is the spirit part of you. Praise the Lord. I say, praise the Lord. Now, 1 Corinthians, the reason why you need to understand this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 tells us why we need to understand this. He says, For eyes have not seen, neither have ears yet, what, has, what the Lord has in mind. Verse 10 then says, But God has revealed it to us through his what? His spirit. So whatever we are going to discuss today, you need to understand that you have to have the spirit mentality. Now say to yourself, I am a spirit. Say it one more time, I am a spirit. If your wife is seated close to you, tell your neighbor, I am a spirit. Then you are possibly telling your wife or your spouse, you are a spirit. I'm sure they didn't know what they got married to. Amen. But the reality is, first and foremost, understand you are first a spirit. Because the Holy Spirit enters into only spirit being. Next, we'll go to the next thing now. Grace versus the law. Then we're going to run through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the grace between the law... This is important because in Romans, people gave their life to Christ just as we did. But we began to contend with so many things. We were not sure again whether we were Christians or no more. So Paul decided that he was going to divide and to teach the people the difference between law and grace. Now this is really what happens. When a man gives his life to Christ, the enemy will keep reminding you of your very past. Has it happened to anyone before? Your past will be in your face as long as you keep confessing it. What is he trying to do? He's trying to bring back the flesh in you. Remember, when we're born again, we said we're born of the spirit and so we became a spirit being. So if you do not understand the concept of law and grace, the grace that you had is because the spirit makes you know that you are free. 
The Bible says, in whom the Son of God sets free, he is free indeed. So what the law does is that it keeps reminding us of our very past. The more you keep being reminded of your past, you become entangled in the law. Amen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, which I'm just going to explain. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. Now, look at what he said. No, give us verse 17. Now, verse 17 then says, verse 17, multimedia. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Now the Lord is that spirit where the spirit of the Lord is what? There is liberty. Time will fail me. I'm not going to go into details to explain that whole difference between law and grace. But this is what happens. When the law sets in, it reminds you of your past. But because when you were giving birth to, you were giving birth to as a spirit. The Bible says, and the Lord is that spirit. It keeps reminding you that you do not long you do not longer remain in the past. What it does, it gives us grace to forge ahead with what lies in the future, which is what we are going to go into details. Amen. Now that is where we're going to start now. Let's now look at what is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is where we're going to start off from. Hallelujah. Now let us not confuse. It is not all those that speak in tongues. It is not only those that speak in tongues that have the Holy Ghost in them. It is not all only those that speak in tongues that have the word, the Holy Spirit in them. Say to yourself, I have the Holy Spirit of God. Say it again, I have the Holy Spirit of God. Now, Remember we said, a man must be born of how many things? Water and what? So who gave birth to you on, at salvation? Who gave birth to you? Who gave birth to you? Is it possible you are born of the Holy Spirit and still do not have the Holy Spirit? It's not possible. If your father gave birth to you, is it possible your father will give birth to you and his blood will not be in your vein? Is it possible? Can you see where we are going to? So for a very long time, we have taught that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. There is only one difference between the two, which we are going to explain. But for everyone who is born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes into everyone at salvation. But the only thing it does is that it comes as a gift. Paul describing it says, who will stop us? Who will stop the Gentiles from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, which the Lord gave? So for everyone, if you are seated here and you are born again or you've received Jesus, it automatically means you have received the Holy Spirit, but it dwells in you as a gift. The fact that you have it doesn't mean you have opened it. There is difference between being baptized and being filled with it. So at, at salvation, you received him. But we are going around without opening him. So you will see that some people can speak in tongues. Not, it's because they have opened that gift. So you can be in church for 5 years, 10 years, 11 years, 20 years. But you have received him, but you are not walking in the fullness of it. So you received the gift, but you have not opened it. Can we see the difference now? 
So let me give an illustration which I gave on one of the Wednesday services. If we have two people go into a pool, if you are, you are about to swim, if you dive into a pool, if two people dive into a pool of water, if they come out of the pool, how will you know they have swam in water? How will you know? Let's get response. How do you know? They will be what? That water represents the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaking, he says, for you were baptized into Christ. So when we dive into the water, two people dive into the water, when they come out, they'll be what? Wet. That is how we know that you have received Christ and you have received the Holy Spirit. Next week, when we talk about the difference between the fruit and the gift, you will see. Once you receive this Jesus Christ, it becomes automatic that you show forth the fruit, which is being wet. Now, if this person comes out and is wet, while the other person is swimming and he gets drowned, we gave this illustration, if you bring him out of the water, he is drowned, yes or no? When somebody is drowned, when you press his chest, when he's out, what's going to come out of him? Water, because he is full of what? That water. Was the other person in the water? Was he in the same water? If he opens his mouth, will water come out? Why? Because he was not what? Filled. Are you seeing the difference? But were they all baptized in the Holy Spirit? Did they all have the Holy Spirit? But whilst one of them was filled, the other one was what? Was not filled. So you will see the difference. That is why the person that is filled has one of the evidences when he opens his mouth, he begins to pour out the water, which is the same thing as evidence in speaking in tongues. But do we all have the Holy Spirit as salvation? Yes, we do. But so we, for a very long time, all we've been doing is what? Swimming in the Holy Spirit. So you've been swimming in the Holy Spirit, which was not the original intent. The original intent in Acts chapter 3 or Acts chapter 2 was that when he comes, he will pour out his spirit upon how many flesh? All flesh. Where God wants us to get to is what is called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But at this point, don't be deceived. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16, when Paul was speaking, he says, Now that you are Christians, now that you are born again, he said, Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the world, Holy Spirit. And what dwells in you? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. So when we come like this, the reality is that we have that Holy Spirit. But the problem is that when we are about, to, we are yet to open the Spirit or the gift that is in us, which we are going to learn very soon. That is why when the choir sometimes sings, if somebody that is anointed sings, it requires somebody else that is anointed to tune into what he or she is saying. Because there is an outpouring of what he already has inside of him. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 3.16, that is it. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of the living God and that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you? One more time, tell somebody, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Say it again, I have the Holy Spirit in me. But the workings is what we're going to, where we're going to end. 
But this is important so that you need to walk with that understanding that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, but there is one more step we need to take, which is unwrapping the gift in which God has given us. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 6.19 also reminded us that, do you not know that you were bought with a price? I need to read that. 1 Corinthians 6.19, there's something important there. He says, do you not know that your body... Give us verse 20. Verse 20 says, For ye were bought with a price, therefore glorify, glorify God in your body. 19 then says, the, the purchase of your salvation was what guaranteed you, verse 19, which made him to say, Do you not know that when you were bought with a price, that automatically you become the temple of what? The living God. And what resides in you? The Holy Spirit of God resides in you. Praise the Lord. Now we're going to go to the final leg for today. But one of the things I tell people is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infield that is speaking tongue really is not the peak of God's empowerment. It requires a continuous work to have that experience. Let's wrap up for today as we continue next week. What then and how then can we unwrap that gift that is residing in us. That is what the Bible calls in the infill of the Holy Ghost, which means the person that swims in the water and gets drowned in the water. We're going to look at it because that is what is most important for us. And by the mercy of the Lord, we'll all experience it in Jesus' name. Now, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is what Jesus told his disciples before he left. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He told them, but you shall receive what? You shall receive what? Come with me. You shall receive what? After the Holy Spirit is what? Now, this coming upon is what it means by filling you. You shall receive what? You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit have come upon you. Now, this is what receiving the Holy Spirit does. It helps you to live rightful life. But when you unwrap that gift, the person that have not is yet to unwrap the gifts may not experience the power that resides in the Holy Ghost. But he says, when the feeling comes, you will receive what? Power after the Holy Spirit have come upon you. Now, let's look at how it all happened. First, give us Acts chapter 2. Let's just read the account carefully from verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Now, this was the day of Pentecost. This was the day that Jesus promised the world. He says, when the day of Pentecost came, and he says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all gathered in one accord. Verse 2. And then he said, and suddenly there came sound from where? Heaven. And as a rushing mighty wind, and it what? Filled the whole house. And on everyone that were sitting. Verse 3. And it says, Then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And he said they were what? Filled. Can you see the difference? He said they were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. For everyone who has received Christ, the best we have is that gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The infilling comes when we go to the next level of unwrapping or opening that gift. And what the, the advantages or what comes with it is that it endues you with a lot of advantages, power being one of them. And it says, and it filled all of them that were in the house and they began to do what? Speaking what? Tongues. So the difference between you and the person speaking in tongues is not necessary that you do not have that Holy Spirit. But it's because it is yet to be activated in you. We're going to read one account where Paul or, or Peter had to lay hands before the people could speak in tongues. And it says, and he began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5. And it says, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men. This is people, these are people who understand the law. Verse 6 then says, and, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their different languages. Now, if you go to, I think, verse 8, the Bible says, and these people that saw them, the only thing that could come to their mind early in the morning is that they were drunk. So what the infield does, it takes over you and you become like a drunk person. So it means it is no longer about what you want. It is about what the spirit wants. So the infill drives everything that we do. So when the infill of the Holy Spirit comes, the thing that will naturally not be able to do, the Holy Spirit gives what? Empowerment. And that is why you see people serving in church Sunday upon Sunday. They are coming early. They are closing late. They are doing one thing or the other. It is not as if they can do it by themselves. It is because something is empowering them to do more than they can. Praise the Lord. And that empowerment will come to us in Jesus' name. And the Bible says, and others were mocking them and thinking they were full of wine. I think if you help me now, verse... Um, praise the Lord. Okay, if you go to... Now, when they said this, Peter had to tell them, verse 17. Yes, that's verse 17. Then Peter, having to defend what was happening, said in verse 17, what these people are displaying is not something that is ordinary. It is not something that is out of the world. It is what the Holy Spirit, it was what God promised in the scriptures according to the book of Joel. And he said what they were doing is the fulfillment of what God promised them which is what he's promising everyone. He's saying that in the latter days that he is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh, upon every one of us, so that we can have the empowerment to do even the impossible. So when you see the senior pastor over a couple of weeks talking about the Holy Spirit helping us in different areas, is because when we get to that point, he gives us the empowerment to do more than we can ordinarily do. And that is what the disciples experienced in the upper room. Praise the Lord. Now, as we wrap up this part, Acts chapter 2, sorry, Acts chapter 10, verse 45 to 46. We'll wrap up as we go on. In Acts chapter 10, verse 45, I'm just going to show us something quickly. In verse 45, now this was when the Holy Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit was about to come to the Gentiles. 
So it is irrespective of who you are, irrespective of every past, irrespective of age, irrespective of gender, irrespective of all. And the Bible says, and those who were circumcised, which means the people who were already had already received the Holy Spirit, they were astonished. So sometimes when when someone who have had a very ugly past receives the Holy Spirit, some people can equally be astonished. And it says, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was not what poured to the Gentiles. The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured to the Gentiles. So what God is telling us, irrespective of who we are, irrespective of our status, irrespective of what we have, that gift can be poured on anyone who believes and that shall be the portion in Jesus' name. Now, to wrap up this, the question then is, if we have that gift at salvation, how then do we unwrap that gift that is seated in us? Praise the Lord. And so we start from Luke chapter 11 verse 9. Luke chapter 11 verse 9. Luke 11 verse 9. Now remember we said the gift, the Holy Spirit is like a gift seated in us. If you received a wonderful gift, if you're expecting a gift, are you always eager to open the gift? If you get a gift, sometimes we can be so eager to what? To open the gift. So if you give you the gift, there's eagerness to open it. Now that is what the scriptures in Luke chapter 11 verse 9 was saying. He says, so I say unto you, I want us to read together now. Ask and it shall be what? Let's read it again. So I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Verse 10. So if you ask for that gift, you will do what? If you ask for that gift, you do what? Let's read on. For everyone who seeks that gift will do what? Will find it. And him who knocks. Now, when Luke is talking about receiving, seeking, and opening so many things, what do you think he was talking about? Verse 11, let's read. If a son asks for bread from the father amongst you, will he give him stone? Or if he asks for flesh, will you give him serpent instead? Verse 12. Or if he asks for egg, will you offer him scorpion? Verse 13. If you then been what? If you then been what? Have you ever given your son anything? Your child? How many of us are giving our children? Even though you are giving them, the Bible, the scripture is still calling us what? Evil. Because we are not even giving the best. He's saying, even you being evil, you know how to give what? Gift to who? To your children. How much more will what? Give what? Give who? To those who do what? So the question is not that he's not read. Yes, celebrate the name of the Lord. So you see, for a very long time, 
We have been quoting this when we require material gifts from God. Lord, you say, anyone that's sick, you will give a new job. Give me a new job in Jesus' name, right? Lord, you say, if I need a new car, when I knock and knock, you will give me what? A new car. Because we did not read verse 13. When you have verse 13, the cars will come. The job will come. The empowerment to receive all is going to what? Is going to come. But what was he referring to? He says, how much more will your what? Heavenly Father give you what? The Holy Spirit to those who what? So ask yourself, do you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit? If the answer is no, it's not that you don't have it. It's that you have not asked him to help you unwrap it. But God is saying, if you desire it, I am here. My job is to give it. My job is to distribute it. I have promised before that in the latter days, I will give it to you. So the reality is not that you don't have it rested. The opening is in your hands. The opening requires a hunger. The same way you are eager to open a new gift. God is saying inside of you, recite a package called the Holy Spirit. Wrapped up that has power. Wrapped up that has potentials. Wrapped up that can give you new things. But all you need to do is to what? Desire to open it. He says he is ready to give it to as many that what? Desire it. So God is waiting and he's saying the Holy Spirit is available so that you will not struggle to come to church. Have you ever woken up Sunday morning and you don't feel like coming to church? Have you ever? What gives you that grace is the person of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever feel like giving up in life? What keeps you going is the spirit of the God that resides in you. Have you ever thought that you cannot do anything in the house of the Lord? What keeps you going is the spirit in you. Have you ever wondered how you've been serving God day after day? Even when you are giving up and things are not going on. It is the spirit that's keeping us going. The Holy Spirit is keeping us going. But he's saying you can have more than you have today. And which requires you opening that package. So that when the choristers are singing, it, it, it makes it easy for them. Because they are ministering to fellow spirit beings. Hallelujah. John chapter 7 verse 37. Let's look at John chapter 7 verse 37. John 7 verse 37. The Bible says on the last day, that great day of the feast. Let me just explain what happens. On the last day, he explained the great day of the feast. It was one of the feasts of the Israelites where at some point, I think it has to do with um, the feast of the Passover or something. Water is usually gathered. And when at the last day, the drums that have the water, you know, they always use the water for cleansing, just the way the Muslim prays and all the rest. So on the last day, when people are departing, what happens is that they pour away the water or some people take the water and drink. And when they drink, that ends that feast. So the Bible says on the last day of the feast, the people were going to scoop the water to drink because it was customary. And the Bible says Jesus got angry in himself, and he says, and he stood on the and he stood on a very loud in a very high place, and he cried out to them, saying, "What if anyone thirsts, let him do what come to me and do what drink. If anyone do what thirst, let him come to me and what drink." Verse thirty-eight says, "He who believes in me, as the Scripture says, out of." 
him will flow how many waters? Rivers of living water. Verse 39. But he wasn't speaking of ordinary water. The Bible says he was speaking concerning what? The spirit. Which spirit? The Holy Spirit. He said, for whoever believes and receives him, for the Holy Spirit was yet to come because Jesus was not glorified. So when Jesus says, come and drink, he's saying you will drink and you will have the Holy Spirit and you will never what? Thirst again. So first and foremost, we require a level of thirst. That is why Jesus was saying, you need to knock, you need to seek, and you need to find. If you are thirsty, will you look for water at all means? If you are thirsty, will you look for water at all means? Yes, we will. So if we are indeed thirsty for the Holy Spirit, are we going to look for him at all means? Are we going to look for him at all means? So Jesus is saying this day, if you want it, I am ready to give it to you. And when I give it to you, we will never thirst again. The things that look difficult, we are going to have it expressly in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, and when the spirit of truth will come, he will guide us unto all truth. Our prayer is that as we receive and thirst and yearn for the person of the Holy Spirit, the Lord himself will make himself available in the name of Jesus. I say in the name of Jesus. In two minutes, I'll wrap up. One of the, I'm going to just explain, let me just give you the three or some few benefits of having the fullness. One of them, Acts chapter 10 verse 38, is empowerment. The Bible says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he shall empower you with, he shall endure you with power. So when we have the Holy Spirit, one of the things that he gives us is the empowerment to live the extraordinary. If you ever get to a point where you need to make decisions, I tell you, if you have the Holy Spirit, he can guide you onto what you need to do. Amen. Number two, it helps us make intercession. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. He says, even in the place of prayer, when we do not know what to say, and we are expressing ourselves in groaning, he says the Holy Spirit helps our groaning, and he speaks to God, even the things we cannot say by ourselves. So one of the places we struggle may be in the place of prayer, but when we have the fullness of it, he says he will help us in the place of prayer that even when you do not know what to say or express it, the Holy Spirit will help us in the name of Jesus. Number three, the Bible says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Of sound mind. It helps you to deal with the fear because he tells you about the truth about tomorrow. That's why the senior pastor was saying, if we are heavy today, but the Holy Spirit have given us assurance of better things. So the Spirit of the Lord gives us assurance of the things to come. That irrespective of what we are going through, there will be better days ahead in the name of Jesus. Why don't you celebrate the name of the Lord? God be praised in Jesus' name. So as we continue next week, I want us to have this in mind. That the pouring of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And God is going to give us the grace to receive it in the fullness in Jesus' name. Next week as we come, we are going to look at two key differences. Between what is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit and what is called the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the sad part is, everyone is chasing the gift and we are living the fruit. That is why you see ministers of God, choristers, workers everywhere, they are seeking to speak in tongues. But when they live here and somebody bash their car, the anger in them comes up. 
and they begin to punch and throw fists in the air. That is because you are chasing the gift and neglecting the fruit. The fruit is what they see outside. The gift is what we see in church alone. So if you have if you have to minister, that's why Paul was saying, if you have to chase anything, he says, you are chasing the speaking in tongues. Now about that faith love, you are chasing speaking in tongues. There's something called love, you don't have it. Love is the fruit, tongues is a gift. Which one did Paul say we should chase? He said, chase love. So next week you are going to see that the more you chase, people are eager to speak in tongues, but the fruit is not growing. When the fruit grows, people will see it. Even the Holy Spirit will give you the gifts. So you are not to chase it. The Bible says God giveth it as he requires. So that is going to be the pivot of it because we're going to learn the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He calls it the fruit, not as only one fruit. One fruit has love. One fruit has patience. One fruit has peace. One fruit has long suffering. Everything is embedded in the fruit. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let's celebrate the Lord. Let's give God praise in the house. Why don't you rise to your feet as we pray? Let's just rise off it. Just begin to thank the Lord. Just bless him for the word that has come. He says in the latter days he will pour out this spirit upon all flesh. God is interested in making us to have the spirit and the fruits of the Lord. He's interested in making us a better person in our walk with him. Just begin to bless the name of the Lord for his word that has come in season for his word that have come and if you so desire his Holy Spirit why don't you take one minute to say the Lord I desire to be filled of your spirit this morning fill me in the fullness that you have just begin to say to the Lord I desire to be filled he says seek ye shall find knock the door shall be opened to you if any of you will ask me of the Holy Spirit I as God I'm going to give it to you just begin to pray ask the Lord I do not have it I desire to have it. If you have it, why don't you ask that the Lord shall fill you more. Fill you more than you have ever done before. Just begin to pray. Thank the Lord. Ask him that he will fill you. Ask him that he will help you. Ask him that he will give you according to as he divides. Bless the name of the Lord. For in Jesus mighty name we are praying. And so Lord in heaven we thank you for that in which you started. We ask as we start and we go along in this series, we ask that you just help us to become the better person in the name of Jesus. For everyone that acts of this spirit, Lord, we ask that you shall give it to us in fullness of measure in the name of Jesus. For everyone that is struggling in one way or the other, we ask that the empowerment that comes by the help of the Holy Spirit shall help us to get to where we want to get to in the name of Jesus. In this year, which is our Ebenezer year, we ask that the Holy Spirit will be our helper in the name of Jesus. He's called the Spirit of Truth. Thank you, Lord, because you will guide us unto all truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Blessed be to the name of the Lord, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Why don't you celebrate the Lord? Give God praise. Now say to yourself one more time, I have the Holy Spirit of God. If you are convinced, say it again, I have the Holy Spirit of God. One more time, I have the Holy Spirit of 